Hello and welcome to this brand new podcast, The B2B Sales Playbook, brought to you by Lead Forensics. I'm your host, Joe DiCaro. In this podcast, I pick the brains of industry experts, innovators, and sales leaders to draw up a series of playbooks full of actionable tips and tricks for you to take away and run with. In this first episode, I was joined by Alison Edgar MBE to talk about creating a personal plan for 2023. Alison is the author of Smash It, The Art of Getting What You Want, so she knows a thing or two about smashing goals. So please enjoy this first episode of the B2B Sales Playbook. We're going to be starting off 2023 by talking about having a personal plan for the year ahead and the importance of knowing exactly what you want to achieve in the next 12 months. Alison, my first question to you on that is... What are the key steps, do you think, to creating a personal plan for the new year? Well, I think the first thing is to actually set it, because uh, if you <laughs> look, I think that life is a bit like sport, right, isn't it? Let's talk about football. And last year we had the World Cup and there was all the football references. But how do you win at football? It's about scoring goals. But so many people in life haven't set a goal. So how do you know if you're winning at life if you haven't set those goals? And again, a bit like the World Cup from last year, some of the games will be easier. Some of them are really tricky and really test you to the limit. And that's where having short achievable goals keeps you focused, but really putting some big goals of the things that you want in your life that stretch you even further. I think it's just imperative. And I think it leads to happiness, Joe, because otherwise, if you haven't got those goals to work towards, you kind of procrastinate and you think, oh, I don't know about this. What will I do about that? And it's there's no direction. And I think a lot of the times when I speak to people, if, especially if they work for bigger organisations, like the PDPs and their work goals are in place, but they've got to be tied like to, to smash it. Excuse the reference to the book. It's happiness. And happiness isn't just being happy at work. It's a 360 of your whole life. Absolutely. So in terms of if we stay on the topic of goal setting then do you how do you space them out do you space them out so this is the goals for the quarter for the half for the year for the month for the week for the day how many sort of increments do you think you can put into those goals I think for me too many goals becomes overwhelming so I think that if you're putting your short and again it's a bit like you you would have on a sales target like you've got your score your quarterly sales target And to achieve that, what are the KPIs? What activities do you need to do? But if you're given your annual sales target and you see that big figure, whoa, it's a lot to go. And there's the phrase, oh, breaking down the elephant and all that kind of stuff. So, and I think it's not specific, it's individual. So for some people, they'd be able to go through like loads of goals and still achieve them. But for others, they're not so much because it might take them a bit longer. So for some people, it might be, I want to buy a house. Well, they might they might not be able to afford a house in 2023. But what they can do is say, I want to have £10,000 in my savings account so that I can pay towards that deposit. What do I need to do to break that down every single month? What do I need to save? Or say it was 12000 it'd be like £1,000 a month. And then what do you need to do per week? And again, if it is for a salesperson with their own commission, what activity do I need to do to take that commission home every month? So I think all those things are achievable. For It might be a holiday, it might be whatever it is, it might be to stop drinking, it might be to lose weight. But I think I think the resolution, we know it's January and loads of people go, yeah, this year's the year I'm going to smash it. And then <laughs> you stop because it's too big, it's too overwhelming. Or 
they forgot why they wanted to do it. And I think that's the other thing, Joe. A lot of people forget the reason they set the goal in the first place. And then when the going gets tough, the tough get going and they don't actually follow through on hitting those goals. They just ignore it and carry on with the habits that they're already in. Yeah, absolutely. It's very much sort of the new year, new me. I think that's probably why you see such a drop off with it is, as you say, the goals are not, they're either, yeah, they're too vague or yeah, not defined enough. Absolutely. Yeah, no, or please. doing it. If you look at a health goal, right, I'm going to start going to the gym. I'm going to get fit. It's not about going to the gym and getting fit. It's about the reason you want that. Do you want to be able to run to catch the tube if you're running late? Do you want to be able to run around the garden with your children? Or do you want to um, lengthen your life so that you can see grandchildren being born or whatever? Because it's it's those things that you focus on, not the goal itself. Yeah, absolutely. It's tying it back to that sort of the emotion of it again, isn't it? I think, which is something that you and I certainly have talked about previously on another podcast and bits and pieces. I wonder, actually, you have the, you've, I've heard you mentioned before uh, when it comes to problem solving, you know, I wonder if you can apply it to, to goal setting, your sports ball. So you have the basketball all the way down to the, is it the tennis ball? Could you just talk us through the so balls I've that you implement? Alison Edgar's big balls. That's and and do you know what? It's, my, it's a theory to life. So I use it from a time management perspective. So that's probably like the core of it. When you look at how you spend your time, rather than having a linear list, is this a basketball? Is it going to hit me in the face and be really sore? Is it a tennis ball or a ping pong ball? And an example of that would be like putting petrol or diesel in the car, right? So if you've got half a tank, that's a ping pong ball. Oh, you know what? I'm in the red line. That's a tennis ball. And I've gone past the red line. That's a basketball. And it's, again, then if you're in basketball mode, it becomes quite stressful, doesn't it? So it works for everything. But you are so right. It is spot on when it comes to goals. Because if you look at the holiday, that might be something that is a basketball goal. But it might be that something like buying a new house is a ping pong ball goal. So that would maybe be a 2024 goal or a 2025 goal. So, again, that would be your most recent goals a wee bit like so again you were talking about time frames so your ping pong ball would be something that would be something maybe 12 months to 24 months to five years and then your tennis ball would be something that would maybe be zero to six and then your basketball would maybe within the first quarter so it's having those but what you really should do is have your stepping stones to get to that so coming back to buying a house it would still then mean saving that money every single month would be the basketball to get to that place. But again, going to the pub and spending the money is like you're treating your basketball as a ping pong ball and you're Mm. having that argument with your head over the disparity of the balls. What are some strategies for staying motivated and on track with your personal plan and your personal goals? So I think it's sometimes like just seeing that reward. And again, I think it's visual and so give you an example, one of the things I was doing an incentive, I used to work at Ayers Rock in Australia, right? And for the team incentive, then it was to do with the number of tours that we had sold and the revenue we were bringing through from teams for the team. And the prize was a helicopter trip around Ayers Rock and the Kings Canyon. And every single time we did it, I had a thermometer. Again, this is way back before tech was really a big thing. I don't even know if there was computers at this stage, Joe. But I used to just fill in the thermometer and you could see it getting higher. And everybody could see that they were getting closer to the trip. 
So what was then happening was they would never forget to ask a guest about booking their excursions because they could see the benefit that the thermometer was going up and up. So I do think it is really just keeping that at the forefront of making that visual there. So that's where being really realistic with those timeframes helps you to stay on track. I suppose it's almost gamification at that point as well, isn't it? If you've got a visual indicator and you've got a visual representation of it getting steadier and steadier up there, as you say, they never forgot to ask for the review or whatever it was they were asking for. So no, it, yeah. it is that, and it is that gamification keeping it at the forefront. Because if you look at like from a sales perspective, one of the things that we know asking clients for referrals is a great way to get new business. And lead forensics do that all the time. You're asking for referrals, but what then happens is a lot of the salespeople you go, oh, I forgot to ask them that. Whereas actually that's where if they're incentivized on that and they've got a goal or incentive to work towards, you naturally gravitate to that activity. How then do you think, how can you review and revise your personal plan as the year progresses? I think you do. I think that's that magic celebration type of thing. It's a bit like, it's the same as hitting a sales quarter, isn't it? You get there and you go, oh, I'm going to celebrate. We're going to do this. And again, doesn't always mean going out and spending a load of money or having a load to drink or whatever. It comes back to what makes you happy. So for some people, it might be like, do you know what? I'm just going to have an afternoon at a spa and I'm going to read a book. Or do you know what? I'm going to do this and I'm going to take a day's holiday for myself. And I'm going to do, I'll just, I'm going to walk along Bournemouth Beach or I'm going to take my family and we're going to do this. And again, that's what I mean. I think when you hit one of your short-term goals, you have to celebrate like you would do in anything but and again sometimes this is where the anti-climax comes that if you look again a bit like a sales quarter you've hit your quarter and then you know oh back to Monday back to having nothing on the board it's quite demotivating so actually having those little short goals those little sprint hit goals helps to keep you focused so I think again it's very similar to what we would do in a sales role. I think you're right. I think uh, particularly on the with the celebrating the short term goals, because I I heard a lot about from it typically actually it's come from creative people, but I can imagine it applies to a sales audience as well. There's such a thing as a rival fallacy, I think it's called, because it's almost if you've spent X number of months, years even chasing a very specific goal, once you've then achieved that, as you say, waking up the next day, you're like, well, now what? I've done that. I've spent so long trying to get that. Now I'm there. What do I do now? But that's where I think you have to be really flexible. And then that's that word we've not heard for a while, pivot those goals. So I'll give you an example. So fitness was one of my goals. So when I'm in and out of London, you've got to be quite fit to do that. And I was getting there and I'm thinking, I'm really tired. This is really tiring me. So I decided I was going to do couch to 5K, right? It's great. One, I had to run for a minute, Joe, and I couldn't do it. I had I ended up sitting on the pavement crying, wallowing in my own self-pity because I thought, I, can't, I just can't do this. And then, of course, it was just repeating week one until I could do it. So there's no shame in repeating the week one and whatever your goal is. You might have failed, but you just dust yourself back up again and get on with it. So now I'm doing the gym and I'm doing that three times a week. So I'm still doing fitness, but I've had to evolve what I do in that fitness space. And it's a new goal and a different goal. If You can evolve your goals. Even when you've hit that fitness goal, you find another one which is still stimulating you for the reason, the purpose that you did it in the first place. But it's different. And again, maybe after I'm doing the gym like for a year, I'll do go back to boot camp or I'll go back to running. Or So I think it's keeping your fitness as the overarching goal, 
but what you do in that fitness space you can break that down into different things how can you incorporate self-care and the work-life balance into your personal plan do you think I think it's imperative that you do that Joe I think it is not just you could you do that I think it's imperative and if you look there's a lot of surveys out there people are anxious struggling with their mental health they're not happy and I believe it comes to what they do and how they deposit their time so I talk about the banks of balance because it's the balance that I think comes to that happiness and I talk about the bank of cash which is your work side of things the bank of give back which is like giving back to other people and to yourself and then the bank of faffing around doing the things that makes your heart sing so for me I love my job and that's the thing it's amazing I get to speak at all these events I'm working with some of the biggest corporate clients in the world so that makes my heart sing so that feeds my bank of faffing around it also feeds the bank of cash but because I'm educating people that feeds the bank of giving back to other people so that's why sometimes when you're in a job and people say I really love my job it's because it feeds the banks but if you look there's a lot of people spend a lot of time at work and they're out there bringing the cash in and they're feeding the bank of cash but they're not really giving back to their family and they're not giving back to themselves and they're not really doing the things that make their hearts sing. So I think this is where your goals come in. And what I do, this is a big top tip, Joe, right? Time's the biggest commodity, right? It's not refundable. That's what you get and it doesn't ever come back to you. So if you look at what you're doing with your time, what's your ideal? So what you're doing now with your time, what do you want to be doing with your time and what do you need to change? And I think that's where the goal setting comes from. You set your goals to the where, what do you, what's that ideal life look like? What does smash it look like to you? And then you need to know what you need to change. And again, specifically for leader, maybe delegating some more things rather than doing it themselves. And then really when you're in the game with your kids or you're in the game with your partner, you're not multitasking, you're not thinking about work. And my top tip to that as well is an empty inbox policy. Like I believe that everybody should be emptying that inbox every single day. And we do it. And I'm not saying we get the tasks done, Joe, but we put it in our Trello board. Is it a basketball, tennis ball or ping pong ball? And then we can deal with it accordingly. But when your inbox is empty, mentally you can switch off from work. I think when you've got it on your phone or all this stuff, you shouldn't have to do that. That's eaten in to your quality of life. life. And the quality of it is the non-negotiable. I think you're absolutely right. It's exactly for that reason. I don't have any work apps on my phone at all. I try and implement the empty inbox policy. It doesn't always go to plan, but I do try on that one. I'm going to ask you for one final top tip now. If you had one top tip on creating a personal plan for the listeners of B2B Sales Playbook, what would that one key bit of advice be? The first thing is do it set your goals, keep it visual, have a vision board. Don't make it too many because the great thing about achieving goals and having a vision board, when you've hit one, you can change it, you can swap them out. Done that, next. But again, I think it's an evolving document or an evolving visual that you would do. And you are going to have a, a roller coaster, rock and roll journey to actually to be able to get those. Don't be disheartened. Don't give up. And again, if your goal is to climb a mountain, you're going to get to the base camps. That's the same as any goal. And when you get three quarters of the way up, you think, oh, I can't make it to that. I can't do this. I can't do this because mentally we get tired hitting our goals. But if you focus on the reason that you're doing it, then you will literally smash that goal. And hopefully your goal will be happiness. And then you will just live a happy life. 
Fantastic. Alison Edgar, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. You are very welcome. Thank you for having me, Joe. So to sum up then, just very quickly, we'll run through the key learnings for this week's episode. First and foremost, set your goals. Make those goals smart. Compartmentalization is key. It's no good looking at a huge problem. You've got to break it down. Celebrate the small victories as well as the big. Go and have a little drink when something's gone well. Time is your biggest commodity. It's not refundable. Remember, above all, why you want to achieve your goals. It keeps you motivated during the tough days to always bring yourself back to the reason you set that goal in the first place. Thank you to Alison for joining me for this podcast and thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a five-star rating. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of the B2B Sales Playbook.